0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettekin. Let's start out the show by thanking our lovely Patreon contributors for the past few weeks. The last time we read them, Caitlin, Diane, Brian, Acacia, RLT, Kaylee, Justine, Paige, Isabel, Bronte, Izzy, Brittany, Alicia, Kristen, Chelsea, Davia, Emily, Karen, Jody, Lauren, Melody, Hope, Michael, Shayla, Laura, Margie, Emma, Hylea, Chris, Zach, Craig, and Erica. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys. They donated over at patreon.com/slash Hollywood Crime Scene where there is a ton of bonus content. There's a hundred there.
1: episodes now. There is? Yeah. Okay. So if you sign up, you get access to those 100 episodes right away.
0: Yeah. So if you like run out of shows here. For
1: $5, you have 100 for episodes.
0: For $5 a month, yeah, you get access to all that bonus
1: content. And some of it's pretty filthy. Some of it. some. Of- <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more filthy because it's not usually crime,
0: like yeah. serious
1: crime, so we can be filthier. Some of it's... Downright like,
0: disgusting, yeah, I would say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you're interested in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Desi. Well, what we're going to be talking about on today's main show is downright disgusting, but not in a fun way. Okay. Uh, this is the Toolbox Killers case. Now you've heard about yes. these serial killers before. Let's just let's just start. Okay. Okay. We're going to be talking about two men named Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. Lawrence Bittaker was born September 27th, 1940 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was adopted by George and Mrs. Bittaker. I could not get her first name. Okay. She was always referred to as Mrs. Bittaker. The Bittakers moved around a lot when Lawrence was a young child before finally settling down in Los Angeles. At a young age, Lawrence began displaying signs of sociopathy. He was a troublemaker, and when he was 12, he had his first run-in with the law when he was arrested for shoplifting. He would continue to shoplift over the next few years, and he was arrested several more times. Although Lawrence reportedly had a very high IQ of 138, he did not do well in school. He dropped out when he was 17. At the same time, he was arrested again for stealing a car, Now, during the theft, he was involved in a hit-and-run, and also he evaded the police. So he was sent to Juvenile Hall, where he would remain until he was 19. Just a few days after he was released on parole, Lawrence was arrested in Louisiana for transporting a stolen vehicle across state lines. He was sentenced to 18 months in prison in Oklahoma. He was not a model prisoner, and he was eventually sent to a psych hospital. Now, Lawrence got out early, but he would be arrested again in December 1960 for robbery. He was sentenced for 1 to 15 years. While he was incarcerated, he underwent psychological evaluation. At the time, he was deemed impulsive and manipulative. He was also said to be paranoid and borderline psychotic. He was released that time in 1963. But Lawrence could not stay out of trouble with the law. Two months again after his release, he was arrested again for another robbery. This cycle of being released, then sent back to prison, would just continue for several years. Ugh, I mean, this... he's so irritating already. In the mid 70s, Lawrence attempted to steal a steak from a grocery store by putting it down his pants.
1: Classic crime.
0: <laughs> it is a classic crime because we've definitely talked about individuals who've done that. On, like on a bonus episode, a bonus yeah. episode like a, yeah. a Florida crime or something, yeah, which isn't the worst thing. Well, they were thing. stealing shrimp, right? There was a guy we <laughs> talked about recently who stole... Oh, that was on la- like the last mini-sode we did, the yeah. Shrimp Bandit.
1: Right, oh, right, the if Shrimp Bandit. Which, I mean, is that the worst crime in the world? No, there's much worse crimes. But with Lawrence, it's obviously a pattern. He's just a career criminal.
0: He's just doing... He's not like... He does whatever he wants. He's not doing this because he's hungry. He's doing this because he wants to do whatever he wants. Yeah. So he has the steak down his pants. He's at the grocery store. But outside the store, he was immediately met with a security guard who confronted him. Lawrence stabbed the man in the chest. Whoa. Yeah. He was charged then with attempted murder and with shoplifting. I feel like the shoplifting isn't really the point <laughs> Seriously. at that, at They're that point. They're just throwing anything on. Yeah. 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 They're like, well, he was also had a steak down yeah. his pants. <laughs> He ended up being convicted of assault with a deadly weapon, and he was sent to California Men's Colony Prison. It was here that he met a man named Roy Norris. Roy Norris was born February 5th, 1948, in Greeley, Colorado. Roy's home life was considerably worse than Lawrence's growing up. His mother was a drug addict, and both of his parents were abusive and neglectful. Neither his mother nor his father wanted children, and they made sure that Roy and his sister knew that. He spent a lot of time in foster homes as a child, and those homes that he was sent to were not good. Roy would later claim that he was sexually abused at one of the foster homes. When he was 16, Roy attempted suicide after getting into a fight with his father. The fight apparently started because Roy had made unsolicited sexual comments to a 20-year-old woman who was also a relative. Now... Roy has a history, and we're going to talk about this now, of being sexually very inappropriate and violent. So this right. was something that he developed at a young
1: age. Which 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 could line up with him being sexually abused. Right. It, yeah. That
0: can happen. That can happen. Obviously, not all not people... Not everyone goes to that level. Not all people yeah. who are molested... As we know, Daddy yeah. <laughs> turn out to be monsters. I'm just saying
1: overly sexual is a symptom, but usually not violence. Yes. After he dropped out of high school,
0: Roy went to the Navy from... He was in the Navy from 1965 to 1969. He worked as a naval electrician. He spent some time in Vietnam, but did not go into combat. By the time he returned back to the States, he had developed a drug addiction. He wound up being discharged for psychological reasons. Uh, that's what they said... But it was because he was attacking women, but they claimed it was like, that was a cycle. other
1: troops or women, like civilians? I think civilians in Vietnam that he was like. Oh, shit. Yeah. So So he was in Vietnam, but just not like fighting. He
0: wasn't in a combat situation in Vietnam, but I believe the women he was attacking were civilians. Like Vietnamese women. Vietnamese Uh women, which honestly, uh, if you know anything about uh, the Vietnam War, that wasn't something totally out of the ordinary that happened. Right.
1: But it must have been pretty bad for him to get punished for it because a lot of people were kind of doing it or yeah. several people were.
0: A lot of horrific shit was going on right. over there. Uh so he, he he must have just
1: been really blatant where they couldn't cover it up. Well, like, they
0: all, they cited psychological reasons right. for him being discharged, but it was noted that he he was attacking women. Okay. Now, that same year Roy was arrested after he attempted to rape a female taxi driver. Well, out on bail following the arrest, he assaulted another woman. He was arrested again. Jesus. In May of 1970, while in San Diego, Roy stalked and attacked a young woman. He bashed her head in with a rock. He then bashed her head into the sidewalk repeatedly. She survived, and he was sentenced to five years in a psych hospital on the recommendation of a doctor who had diagnosed him with, quote, severe schizoid personality. Shortly after being released in 1975, Roy attacked another woman. He followed a 27-year-old woman on his motorcycle and asked her if she wanted a ride. She said no, so he grabbed her and attacked her. He then dragged her to some bushes and raped her. Jesus! The woman was able to identify Roy's motorcycle plate, and he was arrested and sent back to prison. And this was where he met Lawrence Bittaker.
1: This person should never get out of
0: prison. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I like, mean, how do you have that many attacks on women and still get out? It's, That's a problem. Yeah, it seems like if we're keeping people in prison, that should be the person, <laughs>
0: like right, like I yeah, I mean th- this is the guy that I'm like fine, I don't care if he's in prison, right? Like of all the guys,
1: that's pretty much the only one I really care about being in prison because like, he's clearly a fucking threat to public safety. Yes, yeah, like he can't stop himself. Yeah, like he does not care. He has no
0: fucking regard for human people, life. Yeah. For humans. Yeah, so. He meets Lawrence Bittaker in this prison, and they became friends, and of course they
1: bonded over being sick fucks. Ugh. It's always like— I hate when people meet in prison and then get worse when they leave together. It's always just so awful to me, you know? Because certain people definitely, I think, make them make each other worse. Like, we've had this before with sort of partners. Yeah, where they meet... They find each other, and it, like, brings out the worst.
0: Yeah, they find someone else who has some really sick, fucked-up fantasies, and then they're like, oh, well, if he's into it, it's okay, it's cool, and we're going to do some gross shit together on the outside. Although he seems like he would have done it maybe anyway. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's a violent sexual predator.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: They bonded over being sick fucks. At this point, Lawrence hadn't committed any sex crimes, but he became intrigued when he saw the way that Roy Norris was talking about what it was like to commit these crimes against women. Right. And sort of like he was telling Lawrence all about the thrill he got watching these women be terrorized. Right. And
1: Lawrence didn't have any morality. So no. he's just like, wait, I, I should expand my repertoire. Yeah, I like, could, yeah. I could catch a new thrill. That yeah. sounds,
0: what did they say then? Groovy. Yeah. I don't
1: know. <laughs> 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 fucking assholes.
0: Right on. Right on, man. The pair began to make plans to team up on the outside when they got out to rape and murder teenage girls together.
1: Jesus. I mean, that's... What a a weird plan to make. I'm sorry. Well, it's like, what if the
0: other person's like, whoa, whoa, I didn't want to murder them. I thought we were just
1: going to rape. I thought we were just going to rape them. It's so... I hate these people, like... It's just incomprehensible to me when people are like that. Even though I read true crime all the time, it's still shocking to me. that Sometimes you are taken aback. You're like, I cannot believe people like this exist.
0: Now, Lawrence was released on parole in October 1978 before Roy. He took work in Los Angeles as a machinist. While he waited for Roy to be released, he tried to ingratiate himself with the local teens in the area, often plying them with alcohol and weed. Ugh. Roy was released in January of 1979, just a few months after Lawrence. He went back to live at his mom's house in Redondo Beach. He got in touch with Lawrence and they began to set their grisly plan in motion. Oh, and at this time, I feel like I should mention our main source for this episode, because I usually do that up top. Now the main source for our episode is called is a book called The Toolbox Killers, A Deadly Rape, Torture and Murder Duo, The Serial Killer Books Volume 3. It is by Jack Rosewood and Rebecca Lowe. And it was pretty informative about the life and crimes as well as the trial of Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. In February, the pair pooled their money together to buy a used silver GMC cargo van. It had no windows on the sides. They called this van the Murder Mac.
1: Wow. I mean, because it's the 70s, you gotta have a creepy van. It's funny how much we've learned from the 70s. Like nowadays, I feel like the guys who ingratiate themselves with teen are automatically creepy. Anyone with a van, like we do know so much more. (laughs) There are so many serial killer tropes that were born in the 70s that are
0: just cliches now.
1: And a lot of those behaviors have stopped. Like hitchhiking, people don't hitchhike anymore, or they rarely do. If you go in Bolinas, Northern California, people are still hitchhiking. But like Right. Yeah, there's so many things and you could just directly tie that to the seventies sort of behavior. The vans, the hitchhiking, yep. the cool adults who are like, sure, I'll go get you beer <laughs> Like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah. There's yeah.
0: all these things and like I mean, and also the crazy thing is I was thinking about this case like, yeah, this is yet another 1970s Los Angeles serial killer story. How many were there in the 70s? Countless. Right. I mean, we haven't even gotten into there are other ones we haven't even told the stories of yet. And right. I've told probably like, I don't know, six different cases. No, I there's feel like, like a whole list throughout the course of this show. So, uh, yeah, so these are yet another disgusting pair of individuals terrorizing Los Angeles in the 70s. Inside the Murder Mac, Lawrence and Roy, they furnished it with a bed. They put in a cooler for cold beers because they're fucking trashy. And they put in a toolbox which contained various implements of torture. Over the next few months, Lawrence and Roy did several test runs of their plan. They would cruise the Pacific Coast Highway. They would flirt with young girls at the beach. They photographed a lot of these girls, and they even hung out with a few. They wanted to practice before their first rape and kill. They wanted to sort of practice like, oh, how- Charming them and like- Charming different random teenagers, getting
1: them into the van, just- I mean, I have like a vague memory of Lawrence, but are these guys good looking? No. Okay. No. I mean, I wasn't thinking they were. Look, they're not like a Ted Bundy type. They're no. like gross, handlebar They're, mustache.
0: Lawrence Bittaker looks like what you picture when you think of a 70s serial killer. He right. does have the gross mustache. Yeah, like, that's like
1: my memory. I didn't think he was good looking, but I didn't know if Roy was. He has remember. like kind
0: of an unfortunate hairline and the gross mustache.
1: Roy? No, uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Okay. And is Roy better looking? No, okay. none of them are good looking. Okay. Not that it matters, but I'm just curious. Yes, yes Desi. What the fuck? So it'd be fine if they were hot? Jesus. Oh, well, because be, I would think it'd be harder to pick up girls if you're not that attractive. I guess But you, 70s had a different fucking pheromones going on. It's true. There was like ugly guys. If you had the right look, like the clothes and the mustache. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like- <laughs> You're just defending your mom now. I know. You're just
0: defending your mom's choices. I'm trying to
1: defend her (laughs) choices.
0: Now, uh, they they, they decided uh, that their kill and body disposal spot would be on a remote road in the San Gabriel Mountains, which is quite further away from Pacific Coast Highway, South Bay, and the South Bay area where they were cruising girls. Now, along with plying girls with drugs and alcohol, the men also preyed upon hitchhikers, like we talked about before, who were obviously the easiest to get inside the van. After many test runs, Lawrence and Roy were ready for their first real attack. On June 24th, 1979, they spotted 16-year-old Lucinda Lynn Schaefer in Redondo Beach. She was walking home from church. They pulled up alongside her and offered her a ride. She declined. And they offered her, then they next offered her drugs and alcohol, but she declined again. But the men did not take no for an answer. They pulled ahead of her and parked near a driveway. When she approached the van, Roy slid open the door and grabbed her, pulling her inside. Lawrence, who was driving the vehicle, turned the music on the radio at full blast to drown out Lucinda's screams. As the van sped off towards the mountains, Roy was in the back restraining Lucinda with ropes and he used duct tape to gag her. When they got to the secluded road, Roy asked Lawrence to be alone with Lucinda while he raped her. Lawrence went for a walk for about an hour while Roy assaulted the girl. When Lawrence returned, he also raped Lucinda while Roy went on a walk. What? (laughs) I'm sorry.
1: Are you laughing about the walk? Yeah, that they needed privacy? Like... What the hell? Also I, an hour, I doubt that they needed that much time, right? Like that's crazy to me. It, look, they Laura Roy you have to understand
0: what Roy is like Roy was like a like fucking loved raping people. Like so this he was really like, wanted some time alone. I guess. Like he was like he needed he was like addicted to rape. Ugh. I mean, I don't even want to use the word addicted because like people are actually addicted to stuff. Right. But like, this was like a sick he was fucking, he just he like, he just wanted to rape all the time. What the hell? Now, uh, it's going to get pretty graphic throughout, uh, for a while in this episode. So if you don't want to hear some graphic details, I suggest you turn this episode off. Uh, otherwise let's continue. Now, when Roy came back from his walk, Lucinda asked both of the men if they were going to kill her. Then she asked if she could pray before they did. Mm. I know, it's really fucking sad. Roy started to strangle Lucinda with his hands, but it was too much for him, and he got out of the van to puke. I guess that was too much for him, but raping her was... That's awful. Yeah. Now, while he was puking, Lawrence wrapped a wire hanger around Lucinda's neck and strangled her by twisting on the hanger with pliers. When she was dead, Lucinda's body was wrapped in a plastic shower curtain and dumped over the side of a canyon. The men suspected that the body would be taken care of by wild animals in the area. They met their next victim just a few weeks later. On July 8th, they spotted 18-year-old Andrea Joy Hall hitchhiking on the Pacific Coast Highway. Like Lucinda, Andrea was their type, blonde and blue-eyed. But Andrea got into a different car, Lawrence and Roy were not deterred. They followed the car that she got into and followed it until she was dropped off at her destination, which was in Redondo Beach. They pulled up alongside Andrea. Roy hid in the back of the van and Lawrence offered her a cold drink from the cooler. Andrea said, okay. And as Lawrence was handing her the drink, the side door flung open, and Roy grabbed her and dragged her into the van.
1: That must be the most frightening moment ever. Oh my god. To have that door. It's like it reminds me of like um Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, totally. When that door would slide open. Yeah. That's so fucking scary. Ugh. It's fucking terrifying. She was bound and
0: gagged and driven to the San Gabriel Mountains. Once they were there, they both raped Andrea. Fearing that they had spotted another vehicle approaching, Lawrence dragged Andrea into some bushes. Roy drove off in the van and went looking for the vehicle they thought they had spotted. They eventually decided to go to a second, even more secluded location. Andrea was then forced by Lawrence to walk up a hill naked as he ordered her to pose for Polaroid pictures. Roy drove off to get some more alcohol. When he returned to Lawrence, Andrea was gone. Lawrence had shoved an ice pick in both of Andrea's ears, once hitting her brain. He then strangled her to death and threw her body off the side of a cliff.
1: So he did this without Lawrence's, without Roy's permission.
0: Yes, he killed her before he got back.
1: Okay. Did they get in a fight? No. He was. Uh, he drove off to get more alcohol. I know. I'm curious if he was mad, like you, that he did it without him. Oh no. So cause I have, think, cause okay. I think
0: he probably, uh, as long as, as long as Roy could like assault the woman, that was, that was what her. he wanted the most. Got I it. mean, he wanted to kill them too, but he, that was what he wanted the but most. But he couldn't do it the first time either. He couldn't do it the first time, but he'll get to it. He has no problem. Okay. These other times. Now they strangled her. They threw her body off the side of a cliff. In September, Lawrence and Roy picked up two girls at once. They met two young hitchhikers in Hermosa Beach, 15-year-old Jackie Doris Gilliam and 13-year-old Jacqueline Leah Lamp. Everything felt okay until these girls realized that Lawrence had driven off of the highway and was heading towards the mountains. (sighs) Also, another terrifying thing. So awful. So scary. The girls knew that something was off. Jacqueline tried to escape the moving van, but as she slid open the door, she was struck in the head with a bag of weights and knocked unconscious. Jackie, the 15-year-old, was then tied up by Roy. When Jacqueline came to, she tried again to escape, briefly making it outside of the van, but she was immediately dragged back inside. The two girls were driven to the site in the mountains where they were both raped and assaulted for the next two days. Throughout their ordeal, Lawrence took naked pictures of both the girls. One of the times Lawrence raped Jackie, he made a tape recording of it, urging her to scream. He later stabbed her breast with an ice pick and attempted to tear off a nipple with a pair of pliers. Jackie was stabbed in the ears with an ice pick before being strangled to death. Roy then took a sledgehammer to Jacqueline's head several times. She was eventually killed by strangulation. Both bodies were thrown over an embankment. That same month, Lauren Spittaker and Roy Norris attempted to pick up Shirley Sanders while she was walking in Manhattan Beach. They offered her a ride and she said no. The men pepper sprayed Shirley and dragged her into the van where she was raped by both of them. But Shirley miraculously escaped the van before they killed her. Shirley immediately reported it to the police. She didn't have a license plate number. All she could tell them was that it was a silver van. So police did not have much to go on. Now, Roy was considerably dumber than Lawrence, I guess. That's that's what the book said. Well, you said he had a high IQ, Lawrence. Lawrence apparently had a high IQ. So in October, he ran to a friend from prison named Jimmy, and he starts bragging to Jimmy about all the crimes that him and Lawrence have been committing, and he did not spare any details. To Jimmy, these stories seem made up. They seem so horrific that he didn't even believe them. He just thought this was some guy he knew from prison who who was, like,
1: bragging...
0: Yeah, like look at all the like rough shit I've done. Yeah, I'm fucking tough. Yeah, and he's like, okay, Roy. I don't know, if someone tells me something like that, even if they are making it up, you need to keep an eye on that person. (laughs) That's creepy. Because why would someone even brag about that? Yeah. Even
1: if it wasn't true, I'd be like, you're fucked up. Even in prison, I would imagine killing young girls is not very, like it's one of those things that they kind of look down upon still, right? Like raping kids. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, these are kids. Yeah, these these are are... young girls. Like That's
1: not just young women. They're 13 and 15. Yes.
0: now, on Halloween night, 1979, 16-year-old Shirley Lynette Ledford was hitchhiking home from a party. When the Murder Mac van pulled up alongside her to offer a ride, she got in. Lawrence Bittiger was actually a customer at the restaurant that Shirley waitressed at, and he rec- she recognized him. She's like, oh, you're a customer. Wait, is this another Shirley? Yes.
1: Oh, my God. This
0: is another Shirley. Okay. Not the one who escaped. This is Shirley Lynette Ledford. Okay. So Shirley Lynette Ledford recognizes Lawrence Bittaker as this regular at her restaurant. Uh, as the van headed off, Roy pointed a knife at Shirley. He tied her up as they drove. At one point, the men switched places with Lawrence in the back of the van this time as Roy drove. It was then that the torture began. Lawrence enacted a number of horrific things on Shirley, including rape and sodomy, as well as vicious beatings with both fists as well as a hammer. She was then killed by strangulation from a coat hanger, the same method that had been used on the first victim. Shirley's body was dumped on the front lawn of someone's home in Sunland. The body was discovered by a jogger the next morning. The media released the details of the horrific injuries inflicted upon Shirley Ledford. This sounded familiar to Roy's prison pal, Jimmy.
1: Oh. So he read, read about this. And he's like, oh, that's what he was bragging about.
0: Right. Those yeah. are the same kinds of injuries that Roy was bragging about inflicting on yeah. this other young teenage girl or other young teenage girls. So he hired a lawyer and he went to the police. Though detectives were wary at first of taking the word of a convict, they realized that there might be truth to this when Jimmy told them that Lawrence and Roy had been driving around in a silver van. Ooh. This, of course, matched the description of the vehicle used to kidnap Shirley Sanders, the victim who got away. Shirley Sanders, who was back at home in Oregon, was visited by detectives where she identified Lawrence Bitterker and Roy Norris as her attackers from a stack of photographs. The case was then taken to Deputy DA Steve Kay, the attorney who had prosecuted Roy Norris in the past for a rape case. So he knew this guy already. Surveillance was then placed on both Lawrence and Roy to build the case. And in November, Roy was caught selling weed and he was taken into custody for violating his parole. Lawrence was arrested too. Both men were charged with the rape and kidnapping of Shirley Sanders. So the girl who got away, right. that's what they're charged with right now. Once he was in custody, Roy broke down and started talking. But he placed the majority of the blame on Lawrence Bittaker saying that he was the ringleader and that this was all... He was afraid of Lawrence and he just did what he told him. Yeah. Total bullshit. A search of the men's homes... Produced a mountain of evidence, including 500 photographs of teenage girls, which included photos that they had taken at a high school. Among the photos were pictures of two other victims, Andrea Hall and Jackie Gilliam. At Roy's home, police found a bracelet belonging to Shirley Ledford. Inside the van, they discovered jewelry belonging to the victims, as well as the murder and assault weapons. There was also a book about finding police radio frequencies. Police also found an audio tape of Shirley Ledford being murdered. The voice on the tape was positively identified by her own mother. Mm. Now, this tape is 17 minutes long. It's of her being tortured and murdered. Uh, There is audio available of the tape out there. Uh, I I have not and refuse to listen to it. I have read the transcript of the tape, which is included in the book, and it's... Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose
1: one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying?
0: Though some of the bodies could not be found, they did locate the remains of Jacqueline Leah Lamp and Jackie Gilliam. Jackie's skull still had an ice pick stuck in it.
1: Oh my God.
0: Roy Norris took a plea deal, but Lawrence Bittaker refused to admit guilt. Roy took the deal with no, of no death penalty, but life imprisonment without the possibility of parole in exchange to testify against Lawrence. And in March of 1980, Roy pled guilty to four counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, one count robbery, and two counts of rape. Though Roy showed no signs of remorse for what he had done, he continued to insist that this was all Lawrence's idea. Lawrence Bittaker's trial began January 19, 1981, and this trial was packed with spectators at the South Bay Courthouse in Torrance as Roy testified against his partner, the 17-minute audio tape recording of Shirley Ledford's torture and murder was played at the trial. The horrific audio left two female jurors in tears, and a lot of spectators left the courtroom. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Prosecutor Steve Kaye burst into tears as he told the press, quote, Everyone who has ever heard that tape has had it affect their lives. Ugh. A 22-year-old jail, jailhouse informant named Lloyd Douglas testified against Lawrence, he had previously testified against the against Freeway Killer William Bonin in exchange for a reduced sentence. During the summer of 1980, following Lawrence and Roy's arrests, Lloyd spent time in protective custody with Lawrence Bittaker. Lloyd said that he was not testifying against Lawrence in exchange for a lighter sentence, but because of the horrific nature of the crimes carried out by the Toolbox Killers. While locked up together, the two became close and Lawrence Bittaker spilled the details about the rape and torture and the murder that he had committed with Roy Norris. When Lawrence Bittaker took the stand in his own defense, he showed the first signs of emotion during the entire trial. He actually cried on the stand, but he did deny the crimes. He stated that actually Andrea Hall, one of his victims... Had offered to have sex with him for two hundred dollars. He claimed that the other victims had also offered to have sex with him and to pose for photographs for money. The trial was described by Deputy District Attorney Ramsey Randolph as "quote three weeks of hell." I mean, this trial really left a big impression on a lot of people who 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 were jurors, uh, who were prosecuting it, who were spectators because because of the the nature of the details that were released.
1: Right. And it's not just murder. It's like torture and on young women, young girls, right?
0: Like things that people thought were unimaginable that someone could be capable of doing. Now the defense pointed the finger solely at Roy Norris and condemned the prosecution for its use of gory details regarding the crimes. The defense also noted that Lawrence Bittaker had no violent criminal history and that all of his previous arrests had been for robbery. But in the end, the jury returned a guilty verdict on five counts of first-degree murder, five counts of kidnapping, nine of rape, two counts of forcible oral copulation, one count conspiracy to commit first-degree murders, and three counts of unlawful possession of a firearm. Lawrence Bittaker was sentenced to death. The judge also handed down an alternative sentence of 199 years and 4 months. Lawrence appealed his conv- convictions, his conviction, and it was denied. Lawrence also filed numerous lawsuits against the prison, and by the mid-90s, he had filed 40 different suits.
1: Now, like for prisoners, like rights, his rights were being violated or That's what he
0: said, but look, there's a lot to <clears throat> criticize prisons over. These were not done in the in, in service of uh, prisoners' rights. This was
1: done for Lawrence' rights or for his fucking to <laughs> troll, right? The whole system. That's how he's interest- That's how he's like sort of, yeah. You know, enjoying his time he in prison.
0: He likes being an agitator. This is how he, he was. This is how he's filling his time is yeah. just filing suits. Now I'm going to tell you <laughs> what some of these complaints that he was filing were, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. The complaints that he filed against the prison, they were often trivial, most likely just done to be annoying. One of the complaints he filed was against a broken cookie that he received at lunch. He said that this was cruel and unusual punishment to get this broken cookie. What a fucking asshole. Yeah. He also claimed that the prison violated his rights to proper nutrition because he had a soggy sandwich.
1: I hate this guy.
0: He's honestly
1: the worst. Like he so just like you can't even get. He's like you can't. I mean, you're already a, a fucking disgusting murderer. Now you have and to then be you're like also this. irritating. Like on <laughs> right. top of it, like when, at that point, wouldn't you sort of be like, okay, I'm gonna be like fine the rest of my life. I'm going to be better the rest of my Especially life. Especially
0: when there's real human rights violations happening in prisons and this is the shit you're it fucking... It just shows
1: you that he literally is not a person. No. He's just like... He does not, not care. There's not nothing there. Like He's not good at all. He has no empathy at
0: all whatsoever. He just wants to he's be just, a shitster. Yeah. He does not fucking give a shit. Now, of course, these suits were thrown out. There was also... This led to like newspaper articles being written back in uh, the 90s, like our prisoners
1: abusing the, you know. Well, that's what I was just going to say. There are legitimate things people yeah. should be suing over. And now it makes people think, oh, they're all just fucking assholes. You know, they exactly. I mean, nothing better to do.
0: Exactly. Because now we have these articles coming out at this time that are like questioning the validity of prisoners' complaints, which there are real valid complaints. Right, that should be addressed. Yeah, these are obviously not. Them. And he's
1: mucking up the system. Totally. Okay. Now, in 1987,
0: lead detective on the case, Paul Bynum, committed suicide by gunshot wound to the head. Oh my God. At the time, he was working as a PI for the defense in the McMartin preschool <gasps> molestation case. Ooh. Which I'm sure we'll
1: do. Oh, at we're some doing point. An episode. Yeah, I'm Ooh, you're gonna this. do it. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna do that case.
0: And don't worry, it's nothing to laugh about. But we're laughing because Desi's excited to do the case.
1: <laughs> I like Satanic Panic stuff. Oh yeah, that's like one it, of my passions. Totally. Now,
0: he shot himself right before he was set to testify. Really?
1: Yes. In the McMartin? Or- in the McMartin. Oh, wow. This is 1987.
0: Yeah. Now, in his 10 page suicide note, he wrote about being haunted by the toolbox killer murders. Ugh. Prosecutor Steve Kaye remained traumatized for years by the case, specifically the audio recordings of the torture. He said, quote, I wish I could put it behind me. I remember for two years after the trial, I would wake up with reoccurring nightmares. I would hear the girls screaming, and I would be rushing to try to help them. I would always get there too late. Kay, who helped prosecute Manson... Yeah, I was going to say. I was.
1: I was wondering yes. if it was
0: the same. Same dude. He said that the toolbox killers were even worse than Manson. I mean, he was like so affected by this even, even more than Manson. This affected him it more. It is
1: a particularly gruesome and sadistic crime. Yes. I mean, for sure. Right. It's, it's awful. It's
0: awful. So now, as we've talked about on our mini episode on December 13th, which was just a few weeks ago, 2019, Lawrence Spittaker died while incarcerated of natural causes. Roy Norris is still alive. How old was Lawrence? I don't know, he was like 70 something. Uh And
1: there was just natural
0: causes. Just natural causes. Oh, okay. And then Roy Norris is still alive in prison. And he was like, he was up for parole in 2010, but of course they denied it.
1: I mean, I think that the audio tape, the audio recording is probably what separates it for the people who worked on the case. Yes. Because it's like, even when I see a movie, where someone hears their daughter on the phone uh, oh or something God. like that, it's it's awful, and that's like just for a movie. It's not even real. Yeah. So to imagine hearing that a real person who died, just so fucking scary. Like part of me is like definitely like, should I? No, no. I shouldn't. Like no. I, I go back and forth. Like that might be it for me. Like I yeah. don't know because it is one of those things. You're like I'll think about that forever. Right. If I listen, I don't want to hear it. There's I, no way. There's- and there's no point if we can read the transcript. Yes. You don't need to hear it. And the
0: transcript was enough for me to kind of like well up with tears. Well you know what it is. You You know know what what it's gonna sound like. Yeah, I I don't I don't need look, I have enough horrible shit floating around my brain. I don't need one more.
1: Well I think that that's probably what separated it, though, getting back to my point, because it's like, that's very rare to be able to hear or yeah. see a crime actually being committed. It
0: probably made it feel very real. Especially
1: 17 minutes long. Yes. Like, you're seeing actually how much she went through and how long that is. Yes, exactly. Uh, and you know that every other girl went through the same or even possibly longer. Well, there, there were two girls that were held for two days. Right. So I just feel like that's like a very visceral experience probably for these guys who who work in crime and like you've said had been on big cases
0: well what's wild is i read also that the fbi who they are in possession of the tapes because there were multiple tapes but they use that shirley uh ledford tape to train fbi agents to be like hardened or whatever or to
1: oh to be prepared for
0: oh, like horrific having- shit
1: that be your job like you have to get hardened to that point oh that's so awful it's really awful Ugh, i honestly hate these guys
0: i hate them so much like i mean like
1: look this was it's like, an understatement but yeah
0: um yeah so that's the toolbox killers case isn't that fucked up really fucked up yeah but
1: no when, when and i wanted to ask was when they were killing no one knew that there was a killer on the loose like, no one had connected those disappearances. Well, the, the crazy thing is, is this was almost like a spree killing. Right, because I was wondering how fast it was. It was really from
0: June of 1979 to uh, October 31st.
1: So just a few months.
0: It was just a few months. And the other thing is, like, this was 1979 Los Angeles. There were other serial killings right. going on. Well, I know some of
1: the freeway killers, they didn't even put it together. Right. For a while. They didn't. But I was thinking with these girls, maybe because they were just teen girls, that they would have been like, hey, what's going on faster? Whereas the... Um, who was the... I can't remember which one. William Bonin, he was kind of killing transients or whatever. Yeah. It was like harder for them to realize something was happening. Yeah. Or they didn't care about the victims. Right. Kind of thing. I But think, I guess this was so fast. It I wasn't think, that many people either.
0: I think because it was so... Quick. Obviously, there was like a panic when you know people's
1: daughters are going missing. But but four spread out over a few months or five. Was it five? It was five victims. Yeah, total. five over a few months isn't necessarily going to trigger anything right away. I think.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that is the case. But it is. It is. Uh... It is pretty horrific, and it is horrific to know that one of is still fucking alive,
1: and the other one was alive like a few weeks ago. I feel like I know the names, but I kind of always confuse them with the um, the toy, toy, toy box killers. Oh, that guy's a sick fuck, dude. That I mean, that case is awful. That we'll case, probably never cover it, and maybe we will on a mysteries or a bone like a Patreon. But like, you should listen to the um, the last, last podcast. podcast did a good episode. They like read the transcripts. That was the first
0: episode I ever listened to of Last Podcast on a Left. Really? The first one. That's wild.
1: I, I guess because I listened to it way earlier than that episode came out. So yeah. I had heard other but ones. But that was like 2014. Really? Was that long yes, ago? Yes, he? Okay. See, sometimes when I start listening to a new show, I'll go back to the beginning and I'll start listening. Like I think the first one I listened to that from them, another horrible crime was Leonard Lake...
0: And, and Charles Ing, Ng. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That
1: was my first ones I listened to. And I think it had just come out when I listened to it. And then I went back to the beginning and started just going the through it. The
0: first last podcast I ever listened to was Toy Box Killer. And the reason I did is because I was on the treadmill with you one day and you were like, I just listened to the most
1: fucked up shit. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, what'd you listen to? It was so fucked up with the dog. Oh, I can't. So you, if you are into things, hearing shit. things that are really gruesome, they go into very great detail. Yes. And it's really horrible. horrible. And you can kind of, they lighten it a bit because Henry reads it, his transcript, so it can yeah. be kind of silly sometimes. But right. you kind of need to have that, I think, because it is awful. It's awful. It's an awful crime. Yeah,
0: David Parker Ray, that's the toy box killer. Right. He is a monster. Ugh, I fucking I hate him. him. I hate him he's so much. He's one of the worst. Much. Yeah. One of the he's worst. He's one of the worst.
1: Um, okay. Is there anything we should we leave this on a, I mean, I know... A happy note? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, you will have... I have some things to talk about on the mini this week. Yeah, I do too. The number one thing I'm talking about is you... Oh, the show. Okay, the show. you scare me? Yeah. Okay. You, Rachel, <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> I'm taking you down. Oh, wait, forget I told you this because I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> wait, I'm so glad you watched the show because now I can talk about it with you on the mini. I'm going to, oh my God, it's going to be so fun. Honestly, I, I have to say, I'll just give you a little brief so we can have a little laugh at the end of the show. I started watching the original season and I couldn't get past the first episode because I was like, I can't stand this bitch. Back or whatever. She's the worst. I just was like, I can't watch this. No. Like, he's, I don't, I don't, I whatever. And then I kept seeing people talk about it. And I was like, just kind of like this w- past week, you know, it's after the holidays. You're just like, I don't know what to do with my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like falling asleep. And I was like, maybe I'll start watching you while I'm falling asleep. Then I was up to like 3 a.m. binge watching. That's and I was happened. like, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. Then I got to season two and I was like, I can't believe how bad? Like the LA, so I had seen people joking about the LA stuff. Then when I saw it, I was like, okay like it's I feel like someone googled stupid LA things and just peppered this like okay we'll talk about it on the mini it's genuinely one of the worst
0: written shows I've ever witnessed in my life yet it's riveting
1: it's riveting and it's so awful it's so awful binge watch it before Thursday or Friday whenever the episode comes out yes if you want to know what we're talking about we won't spend the whole episode talking about it but it'll be our little uh viewing section for sure for sure you'll enjoy it yeah you will you will enjoy it (laughs) you will
0: you will and we We have so much residual food stuff to talk about on this week's mini soap. A lot. So it'll be a good episode, I think. And then we have some fun bonus episodes coming out this next week. So be sure to find those at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye.